The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility of Christ. Here and now where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service and ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. We gather in the spirit of Charles Wesley, who wrote, who wrote, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. On this day of word and table, this is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
together. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Prophet Hosea, chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the most high they call, but he does not raise them up at all. How can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. When he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. The word of the Lord.
A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever is in you, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourself with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and all and in all. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively Psalm 107 with the Antiphon. To the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Hungry and thirsty, their souls fainted within them. He held them by a straight way until they reached an inhabited town. For he satisfies the thirsty, and the hungry he fills with good things. But those who arise and eat of these things and consider the steadfast love of the Lord. for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Glory to you, O Lord. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool! This very night your life is being demanded of you, and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Sometimes we arrive in worship with a personal compelling need. We find our familiar pew, we turn at the appointed hour to the radio frequency, and we enter a spirit of prayer. Sometimes we bring or are brought by a compellingly particular concern. In fact, on many occasions of return to worship after a hiatus or an absence or a distance, we come trying to sort something out. We are, after all, persons becoming persons, as Carlisle Marnie used to say and well say. We are in the process of becoming who we are, bit by bit, trouble by trouble, hurt by hurt, scrape by scrape. The more irregular rhythms of the summer with its heat spots and rainstorms and family visitors and office coverages, can sometimes become a kind of summer grace, allowing us to recollect, to reckon with our life, our souls, to seek a summer grace in word and table, preaching and sacrament. Sometimes the malady is major, Our dearest friendship can come in danger if we do not keep our friendships in good repair. Or you may come to work to discover that an office mate, a trusted friend whose friendship you may have taken for granted, has felt unappreciated and so has gone on to greener pastures now that there are a few more jobs around from which to choose. Not enough, just a few more. Or a regular summer picnic may reveal an absence, someone whose presence you expected and missed. You may come some Sunday having realized on Saturday night that your marriage, seemingly so solid, has revealed a human painful fracture, a most 
painful weight to bear for sure. Our reading from Hosea, the loveliest passage in the Hebrew scripture, comes from a book in the Bible written straight out of the pain of infidelity. It can be a ready reassurance to hear that for a long time, and right in the heart of sacred writing, there is a shared experience for yours, the deep recognition of deep hurt. Hosea even makes of his own pain a way to understand the gracious, lasting love of God, saying, my compassion grows warm and tender. In the cup and bread today, for you there is a summer grace, a personal honesty about pain, but also a personal witness to endurance, saying to you in reception, you can get through this. I am the Holy One in your midst, and I will not come to destroy. Sometimes the trouble is a shared trouble, a time of trouble, a time in trouble. The poets often will warn us, even a decade in advance. So T.S. Eliot wrote The Wasteland in 1922 and presaged and visioned 1932 and 1942. We disregard our poets to our peril. We disregard our poets to our peril. So summer can be a good time to remember them and to memorize the biblical poetry of the Psalms. In Robert Rain's family, the children were prized with a soda when they had memorized a psalm. Is that bribery or is that good parenting or is that both? When we realize that at some deep level the moorings are loosened in our community or culture, then we may come to church on Sunday a little dazed, a little unbalanced, not quite sure why, thirsty in a way, hungry in another way. I have been preaching and teaching through the summer and regularly people will ask about Boston. They will ask about you. How are you? How are things going? How are things there? They're not referring, usually, to Whitey Bulger or even to the Red Sox. One woman from the Midwest was wearing a shirt that said Boston Strong. As a guest preacher, I usually say something in our behalf, something general in response, using a collected vocabulary. Pretty well, good people, very resilient, courageous women and men, yes, Boston strong. But as a pastor, I also have other thoughts not so easily expressed in a less familiar setting. Yes, strong. But we also have our forms of wandering, as the psalmist puts it. We know, also know about the soul fainting, as the psalmist puts it. A photo of an innocent middle-aged woman, now legless, is all it takes, at least for me, to recognize the truth of scripture and its repeated emphasis on cries in trouble. Not only sorrow, but anger. Not only grief, but very human rage. Bring us to the desert. It takes time. It takes real time, a long time, to process trauma 
And when you least expect it, the desert can envelop you in hunger and thirst. That may bring you, come Sunday, to listen to a sermon or to attend a church to hunt out again the lasting love of God. If nothing, if no one else, thus saith the Lord, give thanks, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Boston strong? Maybe Boston getting stronger. Sometimes the trouble is amnesia. I'm getting to the point that I need a solution or two to daily amnesia. Where did I put my glasses? Where did I put my keys? Where did I put my sermon notes? I should say, whenever I lay something down, I'm putting my glasses on the pulpit. That may cause me to remember. But we do know a bigger, that is to say, a real sort of amnesia, too, that sometimes sits right with us in the pew, right beside us as we listen in the armchair. What am I doing here? What is the point of all this daily struggle? I seem to have lost my way. I find it greatly comforting on a daily and weekly basis to see that in the very marrow of the scripture, my own wandering forgetfulness is known, shared, experienced, and addressed. The recognition of a lost path, a way forgotten, an amnesia about something that really matters. This too is a summer grace. The student of Paul who honored Paul by writing synonymously a letter to the Colossians in Paul's name had us in mind here, or at least had this in mind, our amnesia saying, remember, you have been raised. Remember, seek the good big high things in life. Remember, your life is already hid with Christ in God. Remember, you are wearing a new nature a renewed nature which connects you in love to every other. Christ is all in all, and add to the list in every age in today's reading, adding barbar barbarian and Scythian. Then sometimes, too, the unexpected arrives, supplanting security with radical change, unplanned and unforeseen. That is a good morning to listen to the radio service, or better, to find one's way to church, and it can be this very moment, a moment of cataclysm that brings us. It is only sparing help to recall that many others in the history of the race have woken up suddenly to discover that all the barns full of grain carefully and responsibly stewarded cannot get us past a great loss, a loss of life, a loss of self, loss of soul. Faith is only faith when it's all you have left to go on. Faith is only faith when it's all you have left to go on. Then it is faith, for that is what we mean by faith, walking ahead into the dark. Sometime, go through the pages of Scripture and just watch for the number of occasions when the people in the Bible are suddenly and unexpectedly accosted with trouble through no fault of their own. In St. Luke today, the man is a prosperous farmer. 
But in other spots, he is a favorite son thrown in a pit, a patriarch wrestling with a demon, a leader dying in a cave, in eyesight of the promised, a scout frightened by grasshoppers, a prophet unheeded until it's way too late, an apostle who knows about a thief in the night, a disciple who thought his betrayal would go unnoticed, a king who expects wrongly that his son will be honored, a father whose son leaves home, an honest worker who loses his job, a woman who has to plead until she's blue in the face before a judge who could not care less. And then, a savior, a man of compassion, an embodiment of love, a healing Lord, a Messiah, Savior, crucified. In the summer, for us sometimes, it can be restorative to see that we have company on the days when night falls early. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions, we might add, one's life does not consist in the abundance of positions either. Right now our land and landscape are covered with a vast carelessness, a vast carelessness, a vast carelessness regarding the poor, a vast carelessness regarding the children of the poor, a vast care carelessness regarding the un and underemployed, a vast carelessness regarding the other, otherwise oriented, otherwise abled, otherwise viewed. We have made some headway, by the Dow measurement anyway, in the building of better barns, nor should we, nor do I, diminish the importance of bodily, physical, and fiscal health. But the parable today warns us, even brutally admonishes us, that love is for the wise. The body is not the soul. Today, your life, your soul is required. This month, August 2013, later this month, we shall remember Martin Luther King's great sermon from 50 years ago. That was August the 28th, 1963, a sweltering day in the nation's capital. It was indeed a soul, a soulful moment. Some of you listening, some perhaps present, were there. Most have heard King's words more than once. His was a life, a very human life, rich toward God. How? How so? What shall we carry with us from 50 years ago? In its remembrance this month, and particularly later this month, will our souls come alive that we too might be rich Lord God, let us remember, first, that King was a preacher. 
He was a preacher first and last. His words, rhetoric, angle of vision were formed in the life of the Christian church, the black church, the pulpit. Taylor Branch tells of an intense Sunday afternoon meeting, King and colleagues, when a knock came at the door. And there at the door, an older woman in Sunday best, Sunday clothes, carrying a basket. She came to them with something to eat, chicken and biscuits, I believe, and they stopped. The planning stopped, the work stopped. She had brought something to eat to the preacher. It was a summer grace to receive, as is our communion today. So he stopped to receive. King was not first an academic, nor an organizer, nor a teacher, nor a prophet, nor a social leader. First, he was a preacher. May that be for those of you considering such a calling. Then, higher in status and lower in stress. Now, lower in status and higher in stress. A hard vocation, to be sure. That is, a hard vocation that is one worth doing. Leave the easier things for others. May that his self-identification, preacher, may that be an encouragement to you of what such a calling can mean. Marsh Chapel has every reason to commend and recommend King as a preacher. Further, the series of sermons this summer, the primary preachers from the primary Northern Methodist pulpits is meant as a sign for the future when the full collapse of general agencies, general conferences, general superintendencies, and generalized discipline will give way, as it already quickly now is doing, to real, vocal, preached, pulpit leadership like that represented in Foundry Church, Washington, D.C., Christ Church, New York City, Asbury First, Rochester, New York, and Marsh Chapel, Boston, Massachusetts. King was a preacher. Second, King was a personalist. That is, he was formed in the philosophical theology of Boston University, Boston personalism. Borden, Parker, Bown, Edgar Brightman, the quintessential, even revelatory uniqueness of the human personality as a clue to the divine. Now in our more naturalist age, personalism is less known and less favored, but you can hear it loud and clear in King when in letter from Birmingham jail he talks about the clouds and dimness he sees in his little daughter's eyes as they are told that they are not welcome in Funtown, an Atlanta amusement park. We are all persons becoming persons, as Carlisle Marney said and well said. The freshmen who come here in just a few weeks were all of 11 years old seven years ago when we began our Marsh Chapel work. They are persons in whose personality there is a reflection, a revelation of the divine. 
but they are far from formed, as are we all. Mature somewhat in body, perhaps, but not yet in soul. Sent to us with such high hopes, theirs, their parents, their schools, their siblings. King battled in his day a vast cultural carelessness because of the effect of such carelessness on personality, on persons. Third, King worked at a profound depth. Notice in his sermon that he speaks of a dream. He said, I have a dream, not I have a really good idea. That is the sermonic difference between the right word and the almost right word. That is between truth and falsehood, death and life, inspiration and desperation. But there is something for us today, this summer, much harder and truer to his profundity. King was able to speak in a way that gathered a true solidarity to his cause, the cause of civil rights, racial justice, not later but now. You hear it and recall it in phrases, not by the color of skin, but by the content of character. His voice brought inspiration and solidarity to a movement. It sure did. But that was not all. He also somehow had the magic and mysterious spirited rhetoric to evoke more than solidarity, to evoke community. That is, he was able to gather under the wings of his words those, even those, who may not at the moment have agreed with him. Not just solidarity to a cause, but a hope, a dream of a beloved community too. Now that is genius. You hear it in the phrases that on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slaveholders will sit down at the table of brotherhood. Not just solidarity for that, those who now agree, but the hope of community with those who are not yet with us. I wish I could find the tongue in our time facing our own issue of humanity and justice, that of the full humanity of gay people, to do the same. Maybe one day that will come. Sometimes we arrive in worship with a personal compelling need. We find our familiar pew. We turn at the appointed hour to the radio frequency. We enter a spirit of prayer. Sometimes we bring or are brought by a compellingly particular concern. This morning, you may come with a fractured relationship, draw near in faith, and take this holy sacrament, this summer grace, to your comfort. You come and may come this day as a still wounded city, not as much strong as getting stronger, Draw near in faith and take this holy sacrament, this summer grace, to your comfort. You may come with amnesia about your salvation already wrought in Christ. Draw near in faith and take this holy sacrament, this summer grace, to your comfort. 
You may come in the throes of a mortal struggle between body and soul, bigger barns and a farther shore, carelessness and care. Draw near in faith and take this holy sacrament, this summer grace, to your comfort. Amen. Dearly beloved, please be seated. It is a great joy and pleasure once again to welcome you here to the Nave of Marsh Chapel this Sunday morning. We hope that you will take a moment to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew to pass that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. We would note that following the service today, we will have our usual potluck luncheon downstairs. We hope you will join us. Also following the service today are available uh, Marsh Chapel t-shirts in the narthex. See the Reverend Miss Jennifer Quigley for a bright yellow t-shirt with a uh, benediction on the back that uh, we trust you will find familiar. Next week, we look forward to welcoming the Reverend Dean Snyder from Foundry United Methodist Church in Washington, D.C. We hope you will join us for that. 
As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate upon Richard Feliciano's setting of Psalms 145 and 108, The Eyes of All Hope in Thee, O Lord. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
fellowship among us for thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Beloved, Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us pray. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Let us extend to one another signs of his peace. Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup he gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. 
This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood by your spirit make us one with Christ one with each other and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit and your holy church all honor and glory is yours almighty God now and forever and now, with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us your
Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you, the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, be and abide with each one of us now and forever. <laughs> 